Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you again for coming back and listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for following through with us as we close out and uh, move closer and closer to the end of the book of Haggai. Uh, Now, in case I haven't mentioned it yet, the next book of the Bible that we're going to study together will be the book of Zechariah. I want to um, follow up with Zechariah immediately after Haggai because of their their close relationship. In fact, I may bounce around in the Old Testament in that way, um, studying books of the Bible that are closely related to Haggai. And um, that, that way, while some of these ideas and issues are, are somewhat fresh in my mind, uh, it'll give me an opportunity to reinforce them, correct them if some ideas are wrong, uh, put some of the history together in a, in a more clear way, Lord willing. So I uh, hope you will look forward to that. Now, this particular broadcast is going to be uh, another review on the idea of considering your ways. In fact, the title will be Consider Your Ways Reexamined. And we're going to look at Haggai 2, verses 15 through 19, and then we will discuss the related ideas. So Haggai 2 verses 15 through 19. And now I pray you consider from this day upward from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Since those days were when one came to an heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the press fat for to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, there were but 20. I smote you with blasting, and with mildew, and with hail, and all the labors of your hands, but ye turned not to me, saith the Lord. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine, and the fig tree, and the pomegranate, and the olive tree hath not brought forth from this day will I bless you. So this particular passage is slightly different. 
uh, we have spoken, or at least, or at least the way in which we're going to examine it, is slightly different from our previous broadcast. And we, and then we talked about uh, the idea of considering your ways. Uh, we spoke in depth about the realities of God's desire for His people to to consider their life, their choices, their behavior, and so on. But in this case, the consideration is meant to highlight God's response to his people. And that's interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a good exercise, and we've talked about it plenty at this point, for us to examine ourselves, but it's also good to examine how God responded to these various situations and and the choices that his people made. God wants us to consider what he has done in response to Judah's obedience and disobedience. And we have examples of both throughout Judah's history and certainly even in the book of Haggai itself. Now he says, I pray you, which is a unique term. Um, It's an important term. It's, it's used to encourage people to take earnest consideration. It's, it's like God is saying, I beg you, I'm, I'm pleading with you, I pray you, stop and think through some things. Consider some realities related to your choices and your decisions. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you did has caused you. Think about the consequences. Think about what it brought into your life. Consider this situation. Consider the results. Certainly consider your ways, but also consider the consequences thereof. And and we need to take time and think about those things from this day and upward. And this statement, it is perfectly in line with what God is asking people to consider here. Uh, They are to consider God's response to man. Then they are to consider from this day, they they should look at that uh, uh, of God's response this day and upward. That that is, they, they are expected to look upward to God. So often we try to navigate life looking circumspect on earth. And we take little consideration to look upward. We just don't consider God. We don't consider what God thinks. We don't consider God's perspective, God's word. Um, We we look around. We ask the men around us. We we fail to proceed in prayer. We fail to proceed with God's word in mind. We fail to proceed through good godly counsel. And God is asking people to look up. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a God in heaven who is concerned with our lives. Look to him. Consider God's character. Consider God's will, God's way. Move upward in life with a heavenly view in mind. And that can only be done by looking to Jesus, by looking to God, by looking to the word of God. We get, we get so burdened and drugged down by life, then as a result, we live life looking downward. Depressed people love to look at depression. Sad people love to look at sadness. They they like to wallow. Once your emotional state is consumed by, by something that could be identified as depression 
or sadness or sorrow or whatever the case may be. It's as though people just get consumed with that. So they want to listen to sad music. They want to watch sad movies. They want to they want to um, remind themselves of how terrible or difficult their situation is. They don't want to look upward and move out of that situation. They, they, they sort of get stuck there. But our help, our refuge is up. Look to the Lord for help. Look to the Lord for hope. Look to the Lord for understanding. That's, that's where that, the way we escape these things is, is through the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father in heaven who gave us his word and has given us all that we need to have victory over these things. And it's sad that it happens. And again, it's one of those things I, you know, I have some suggestions, but I don't know that I have a solution. Uh, depression and, and anxiety and, and just trouble in general can so bring you down. And, um, the solution is not always as clear and as cut and dry as, as we would like it to be. And, and, and I'm, I have to be honest about that, and so do you. But, but in every one of those situations, the answer is Jesus Christ. We, we have bumper stickers and we have magnets and, and uh, uh, signs posted all over the place that say Jesus is still the answer, and he absolutely is. Now look at Haggai chapter 2, verse 15. And now I pray you, consider from this day and upward, from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Look at how God responded to your, your, your previous decisions. Sit down, sit down sometimes and just think about choices you've made. And, and do your best to identify. It'd be good to get a notebook and just, just write it down. Right now, here's a decision I made. I, I, I had an opportunity to go one way or the other, and, and I, I chose to go this way. Uh, try and remember why you chose to go that way, and then, and then look at the end result. And if you'll do that honestly, it'll greatly help you. Um, it, it'll, be, it'll provide lots of uh, reflection on the direction of your life, and, and, and it'll greatly help you. Many people choose to, they, they, they refuse to obey God. And God responded, may have responded with physical judgment by way of difficulty in your lives. And we, we've talked about that. We're, we're, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to rehash the judgment aspect of this, though, though it has to be mentioned because um, we're talking about God's response to man's obedience or disobedience. Now, of course, the response to disobedience to the Christian is chastisement. And the response to obedience is blessing and help and fellowship and, and many other wonderful things. And, and, um, and we want to stay in a, good pl- in a place of good, good fellowship with God. Now look at Haggai 2, verses 16 through 17. Since those days were when one came to an heap of 20 measures, there were but 10 when one came to the press fat for to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, there were but 20. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail and all the labors of your hands, yet ye turned not to me, saith the Lord. Your, our lives are full of trouble and disappointment. 
sometimes it's directly we sometimes we are directly responsible for that and sometimes that's just this present evil world being what it is and and in those moments our expectations are often not met uh, we might go about life making what were probably or, or maybe even reasonable assumptions about um, uh, uh, what our expectations should be in certain situations. And, and we find out in the end that our assumptions were wrong. <laughs> now, the, the assumptions, again, may have been reasonable. The expectation may have been reasonable, but something caused that assumption and that reasonable expectation to miss the mark. If you understand what I'm saying, you may have put in the labor, you may have put in the investment, you may have put in the time, you may have done everything physically uh, um, necessary to to expect a reasonable outcome and it didn't happen. Well, why? How can that be? Um, you know, this this might be reality because we live in disobedience. And when judgment came, yet ye turned not to the Lord. So it could be that, that if we're looking around at our life and we see that um, we expect a certain level of return on our investment, on, on our time, on our labor, um, uh, just in, in, in life in general, in our relationships, whatever the case may be, and those expectations are not being met. Well, that, that could be because God's trying to get our attention. <laughs> it could be that the Lord has set himself against uh, your, your expectations in, in order to, to wake you up, in order to jolt you and, and, and get you to look back to the Lord. You, you, may, you, may have, you may be in a place of disobedience. You may, have be, you may be in a place in which you no longer believe you need to rely on the Lord or that you need the Lord. You may not be in fellowship with the Lord. God wants to be with his people. And when we try to live outside that relationship, the Lord's going to come knocking on your door. <laughs> now, how, how he does that and in what capacity he does that, again, I, I think we have to be careful uh, because the, the physical judgments uh, were pr primarily directed to Israel. But God, once again, God did say he was going to chastise us if, if necessary. And how and when he does that, I, uh, at the moment, I don't have a clear answer for that. But I know that it, I, believe, I, I believe it's reasonable to say that if you're, if you're going through life um, and, and your expectations are constantly being defeated and, and not being met, it might be the Lord trying to get your attention. And you, and you might want to look to God, look upward, and, and from this day and upward, <laughs> consider life in light of, of God's desire, what God wants. Um, now, these people could not live lives full of blessing because they made decisions that caused God to stand against them. That's, we're talking about Judah. In this case, the question is, is, is that the reason that our expectations are not being met. Could it be that you've caused God to set himself against you? Now, these are, his, these are God's people. It's, a, it's still amazing to me that God sets himself against his own people because we have an idea that God would never do that. We assume that God is this 
um, all-loving superhero who just wants to see his people uh, happy and saves us from every harm. And the Bible doesn't give that implication. <laughs> Life in God's blessing is wonderful, no matter what your financial status is, no matter what direction your life is going. And life under God's judgment is terrible. Again, no matter your financial status and no matter the direction your life is going. We, we read all the time of Hollywood stars who have all the fame and have all the money and have all the recognition. They have everything everyone thinks they want and then they hang themselves in their Hollywood mansion. Now, I, I'm using it as an example of how you can, you can have much and have nothing. I'm not, I'm not suggesting they hung themselves because of God's judgment. You know, you know that's, that, we need to set that little tidbit aside. I'm, I'm not suggesting it was God's judgment. What I'm telling you is they had all the physical blessing that you could possibly have in life, and they were miserable. And you've probably known people, I've certainly known people who had nothing in life, but they had Jesus Christ and they were just as happy and, and blessed. And, and, um, and so, praise the Lord, He's good to us. And, and life with God in His blessing is wonderful, no matter what your status is in life. Now, if for some reason your life seems to be full of disappointment and you have no blessing in your expectations, I encourage you to go to God and resolve areas of disobedience. Uh, just assume, you know, since, since, we, since uh, I can't tell you for sure that it's God uh, who, who might have set himself against you just to, to, to stir you or, or to bring you back to him or to bring you to a place of repentance, but just assume it is. And go to God and repent anyways and, and, and just rekindle that relationship and fall in love with the Lord all over again and, and move forward in that direction. I mean, that, that's, that'd be the best advice that I can give you. Uh, if you can't pinpoint an area of disobedience or trouble in your life or an area where you're, you're, you're neglecting God and what he's told you to do, if you honestly can't see anything that needs to be fixed, just assume it need, that something needs to be fixed. Go, go repent anyways and, and do your best to live for the Lord even more faithfully, even closer than you already were. Judah was in captivity due to their disobedience. And then back in the promised land, their expectations and labors are frustrated again due to disobedience. You know, they, we've talked about it. They came back and they started off strong, but it didn't last. And, and that, man, that, that could, if we had time to go over that, that, that'd be a picture of the Christian life. We, we have these little jolts of obedience, and then we fall off the map again, and, and years later come back and try it again. And it's like, a, it's like a roller coaster ride. So if we, bring our, if we bring our labors and our expectations in line with biblical obedience to God, life is so much better. What if you went to work every day and you worked as unto the Lord? What if you came home to your, to your spouse and loved them the way that Jesus Christ loves you? What if you thought of debt the way God thinks of debt? What, you know, what, what if you just started looking in a 
What if you just started looking and identifying areas of your life that could be better and, and more in line with the Word of God and just, just took the steps necessary to make that happen? It, it'd be, life would be far sweeter. And so the proper response is to turn to the Lord in a place of repentance, in a place of brokenness. Lord, I need your help. I, I certainly need God's help. I have to have the Lord's help. I, I am, you know, there's not much I can do without the Lord. And so um, I, I, I depend heavily on the Lord. And I thank the Lord for his, for his goodness. And, and I, you know, uh, sometimes I wonder why and on, on earth he is so wonderful to me and so good to me. And why I can't do anything right <laughs> half the time or most of the time. And, and so, you know, we, 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 our faithfulness to the Lord is essential in order to have a healthy, uh, emotional, an emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, spiritually healthy life. We've got to be obedient to the Lord. Now look at Amos chapter 4. And uh, we'll start reading in verse 6. Um, see if this sounds familiar to you. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now, this is going back to, to Israel. And um, this is Amos preaching to these people. And it's the exact same message. <laughs> it's the same message that God has given to Judah uh, you know, a hundred years later, how, how, whatever the time frame is uh, later, he's given them the exact same message, saying the exact same thing, and, and the result is the same. You have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Look at verse 7. And also I have withholden the rain from you. Does that sound familiar? When there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained, not withered. Verse 8, So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Man, that, that is eerily similar to what's going on in Haggai. Uh, yet have ye not, yet have ye not, again, yet have ye not returned to me, saith the Lord. Verse 9, I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. Now, it seems like we read that before. That's exactly what God did to, to Judah in the book of Haggai. Now, now listen to what it says. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palm worm devoured them. Yet have ye not... <laughs> Returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence. After the manner of Egypt, your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses, and I have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto man what, what is his thought, 
that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Now we we often use that phrase, prepare to meet thy God, but in this context, it's not a good thing. <laughs> he's, he's telling them, you have refused to return to me. I have judged you, and I have judged you, and I have judged you, and you, refu- you refuse to turn to me. Now prepare to meet your God. It's, it's as though he's telling them, I'm, I'm, we're, we're about, you know, I've been doing this from heaven. I've been doing this. And, and, and now I'm telling you that, that these things that happened to you were the result of me working against you. But now I'm about to come meet you face to face. And that should terrify anybody. <laughs> you don't want God speaking to you in that way. And it do us well to do all that we can. Uh, to to not find ourselves in that position, you know. So Israel is experiencing a famine, and they refuse to return to God. God withheld the rain; they suffered drought. God said, "I cause it to rain upon one city, and cause it not to rain on another city," and they still refuse to turn to God. God's use of rain as a form of judgment is is a very serious matter. What, what, would you, what would your city, your state, or your country do if God said, you know what, I'm withholding the rain. No rain for 30 days. No rain for six months. Or how about no rain for the space of three years? I mean, that, that is devastating. Your, your beautiful forests, your rivers, your lakes would turn into a desert in three years. You would be amazed at what at what three years of no rain would do to any veget- uh, any area of vegetation or 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 lakes or whatever whatever uh, whatever the landscape might be. Um, but they refuse to turn to God. They refuse to turn back to their God. And 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 what I'm trying to get, get at here, what I'm hoping that we see is there may be some resemblance of this in our own lives. And if there is, the answer is that you may need to turn back to God. There may be something you need to repent of. Now, again, I want to be careful. I don't want to blame God. I don't want to put you in a situation where you're you're looking unnecessarily for something you're doing wrong. Um, But (laughs) turn to God. Just run to God. Especially if, if you've got trouble in your life, if something is going on that is, that is terrible, that is difficult, even if it's not your fault, it's still good to run to God. That, that's, that's your place of refuge. That, that's who you need to depend on to get you through whatever is happening, whatever is going on. Turn to God. Uh, Israel grew wonderful crops, had a great, great outcome to their, their, their planting and sowing. And, and uh, when it's time to reap, a worm came and destroyed everything. But they didn't turn back to God. They suffered pestilence and wars, but they, re- they would not return to the Lord. God judged them and judged them, and they refused to turn back to God. Now, this is why, this is one of the reasons, one of probably many reasons, but one of the main reasons or major reasons that hell is eternal. As God judges these people and they refuse to turn. They refuse to repent. They don't change their mind or, or make it better or, or get things right. 
They just stay where they are. They don't care. You, look, you go read the book of Revelation, and God is judging. You know, they're, in the, they're in the tribulation, and God is judging the earth in, in ways that you, you and I can hardly imagine, even though we've got the words there describing it. And the Bible says that God's going to open the heavens like a scroll, and people are going to look up in the sky, see God, see who is judging them, and they're going to shake their fist at him and blaspheme him. <laughs> they don't look up and say, oh, there he is. That's who's doing this to us. I am so sorry. Um, I, I, I apologize. Let me, let me get this right. Let me fix things. And um, no, that's, that's not at all what they did. Um, and, and so they would rather suffer than turn to God and be blessed. Now, we take on this responsibility when we become God's people. We put ourselves in a position to be chastised by our Father when we take Him to be our Father. When you choose to trust in Christ, um, the Father in heaven becomes your Father, which means as your Father, He has expectations of you, and He's going to chastise you when you don't meet those expectations. What, what, what exactly would God have to do to convince you to turn back to Him? What, what, what would God have to do in your life to break you down to the point that you would repent of whatever it is that you're doing, whatever is going on? That'd be something to think about. How, how low would the Lord have to take you before you break and you, and you finally repent? God's people should reside in a steady state of repentance. That should be a natural part of our day. Wake up, Repent. Before you go to bed, repent. You sit down to eat, repent. You did something, you said something, you acted a certain way. Look, there, there is plenty that we can repent of and we should do so. So let's, let's not put God in that situation. Let's, let's try to be tender and let, let's, let's try to uh, not, be, not allow our hearts to be hardened through sin and and, and through prolonged lack of repentance and prolonged lack of obedience to the Lord, uh, we should just continually ask the Lord to help us to be better and closer to the Lord on a daily basis. Um, and so by the time we get to the book of Haggai, it seems the Lord is preaching this same message all over again. Um, and, and that's not the only time. Now we know that Haggai and Zechariah were contemporaries. Look at Zechariah chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Um, so you, you can see the indication here. Um, I, I'm preaching the same message. I preached to your fathers and they refused to turn. And now I'm praying you don't do what they did. I'm begging you don't do what they did. Repent. Turn to me. If you turn to me, I will turn to you. And so then this principle brings us over to the New Testament, where the same idea, a similar idea is presented uh, in the New Testament. And we see remnants of the, the self-same message <laughs> from God to the church. 
Look at James 4, verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So, when will this finally come to an end? Um, we We can resolve it in our own lives, in our own individual lives, by turning to the Lord in repentance, by living a life of obedience. We don't have to carry on this tradition of rejecting God, disobedient to His word, uh, we should just we should just listen to the Lord. Now come back to Haggai chapter two, and uh, uh, let's read verses eighteen through nineteen. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it: is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth from this day will I bless you. So now the Lord wants them to consider their lives since the work on the temple resumed. So they they were previously told to think about their actions before a stone was laid for the foundation of the temple. Now they're told, I want you to consider after the work resumed. And the work began, the, 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 the Lord said, I am with you. And, but then we get to Haggai 2, and the Lord says, but you still have some uncleanness in your lives. And, and, and so the Lord, and we've talked about this balance that the Lord has, and it's a beautiful thing, but, um, but we don't want to take that balance for granted. I mean, notice it still came with trouble. You know, you're going to the press fat, and and you think you're going to get what what you should expect to get, and it's not there. The Lord's fighting against you. The Lord's pushing against you. He said, you have seed in the barn, but your trees still have not brought forth fruit. (laughs) What good is it to have seed to grow a plant that that brings nothing? We we knew a lady once who who wanted to give us a dog, and and it was a... uh, the dog was a purebred dog, and and um, and and the dog, um, you know, was worth a lot of money. And the lady wanted to give give the dog to us, and I said, "Well, we, we're not going to take the dog unless we can breed it." And she's like, "Why?" And I was like, "Because we're not just going to have an animal sitting around doing nothing. It needs to produce something. It needs to be of some value." And so she changed her mind. Well, that's that's what it, these guys have a, you know, they have all the seed they need. But when they plant it and grow it, it produces nothing. I mean, what what good is that? So the Lord is asking them to consider their uncleanness in light of the fact that God plans to bless them from this day forward. Why? Why is he going to bless them from this day forward? So it seems that Judah went along with it. Judah decided to trust the Lord and to do what the Lord said. And, um, and then we, we see the, the expansion of that into the book of Zechariah. And again, when you read in 
um, Nehemiah and, and Ezra, you see that, that there was trouble there that had to be dealt with. And that may have been in relationship to what's being said here in Haggai, some of it or all of it or, or maybe none of it. Who, who, uh, you know, uh, Haggai doesn't refer specifically to any certain events, but, but if we piece it all together, it seems that there, there was plenty in Judah's life that needed to be corrected in accord with the law of Moses. Uh, but then when we get to the book of Malachi, <laughs> we're right back in the exact same situation again. It's, it, it's like it just, it just started all over again. At some point between Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, um, either they never got it right totally or 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 they got it right and they went right back into the same area areas of disobedience look look at Malachi chapter 3 and 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 notice as we read this the similarities to what we read in Amos and to what we read in Haggai and then to what we read in the book of James and it just seems to be this repetitive problem of God's people just getting comfortable in a life of disobedience Malachi 3, verses 7 through 18, and uh, we're going to read a lengthy portion here, and, and this will help us wrap up this particular sermon, but it's worth reading and thinking about. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances. And that's the key. Ordinances. What is an ordinance? Now, now as Baptists, we have this silly idea that God has two ordinances. I, I hope you will, I hope you don't have that hanging in your church or written in your constitution or whatever the case may be. An ordinance is an oral command. You're going to tell me God only gave two oral oral commands? The baptism and the Lord's Supper? That's, that's all God said? It's a ridiculous idea, and it needs to be abandoned. It's shallow. It, it, it was not thought through, and it became a, it's become a, you know, a way to identify as a as a high level cheerleader for the Baptist Church, and uh, I, I I'm a Baptist missionary. I, I have no quarrel with that whatsoever. Uh, but when Baptists do stupid things like that, I'm not going with them. I'm not supporting it. And so when you say well, there are two ordinances in the church, that that is ridiculous. You you should really not say things like that. It it it. It it causes me to think that you 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 know you're not reading your Bible you're you're repeating something you heard but anyway that, that's that's not our purview here I just thought I'd throw that in there since we were on the word ordinances so uh, back to verse seven even from the days of your fathers you are gone away from mine ordinances <laughs> and have not kept them return unto me there we go again and I will return unto you saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Now here, here's a big difference between Judah in Haggai's day and Judah in, in Malachi's day. In Malachi's day, they are arguing with God. In Judah's day, they were pretty sensitive. They, they, they responded, uh, especially in Haggai chapter 1, they responded relatively quickly. In Malachi's day, what are you talking about, God? <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. They're arguing with God. Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. 
for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Now imagine taking that type of approach to God. Yet ye say, What have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, It is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was made, written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him, then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Now, you're going to serve somebody. You absolutely are. The question is, who are you going to serve? And there's going to come a point in life, and it may have already happened for you, it may happen repeatedly, it may happen again, and then there may be an ultimate consummation to it all in which you you see the difference between If you take yourself as an example, if you happen to be living in disobedience to God, you're going to see a contrast between yourself and someone who has decided to serve God. You're going to see a contrast between yourself and someone who's decided to be obedient to God. When I I look at men who are certainly, who exercise more fidelity to God than I do, man, I am convicted by that. I want to be like them. I want to do more. I want to give more of my life to God. I want to be less focused on self. I want to be less disobedient. I want to cause God less trouble. I would like to please Him. And when I meet men who seem to do it so so effortlessly, <laughs> um, you know, it, it it convicts me. It challenges me, and and it makes me. It, it gives me a, a, a visual marker between myself and someone who's doing it better than I am. And it makes me want to do more. It makes me want to serve more. It makes me want to be more obedient. And now God's speaking to Judah here, and he's telling them, um, I'm marking down those who who are turning to me, who serve me, who live for me, who are are living a life of righteousness. And I'm going to demonstrate to you the difference of the consequences of a life in service to me and a life that rejected me. I don't want to be on the negative side of that demonstration. I don't want to be on the negative side of that demonstration throughout life 
uh, that causes God to work against me, and I don't want to have to stand before God and and be brought to that realization in in a shameful way someday out in judgment or or whenever God decides to do this thing. In Haggai chapter 1, Judah repented. Haggai chapter 2, the Lord confronts them again. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And I've got a glorious future for you. You know, the the desire of all nations shall come. Um, I'm going to fill your house with glory. I've got a glorious future for you. But um, right now you're in disobedience. And And I'm frustrated by it. And then by the time we get to Malachi, they are just in, in open defiance against God. It's not the subtlety that, that we see in Haggai. You know, is it time to build the house of the Lord? I don't think it's, I mean, you know, the time has not come. We're just waiting for the right time. <laughs> by the time we get to Malachi, God, you don't know what you're talking about. We didn't do that. When did we do that? You know, just, just defiant arguing with God. And um, I don't want to be in in a low-level state of disobedience, whatever that may be. And I don't want to be in open defiance of God. I would really, really, truly like to live the Christian life and and bless God and and do all that I can. You know, Hebrews 11 11 says uh, of those people who lived in faith, who died in faith, God said, he was not ashamed to be called their God. That may not be a high high goal in life, to just call someone not to be ashamed of you. <laughs> uh, I'd like it to go further. I'd like him to be pleased with me. I'd like him to be happy with me. But I would at least like him not to be ashamed. Uh, so that means that there are people who belong to God, and when God looks down and he sees their life, he says, they belong to me. But I'm ashamed of them. I'm ashamed of that connection. I'm ashamed that that that, that is my child. And um, I, I don't want to be that person. I don't want you to be that person. I don't think it has to be that way. So let's do all that we can not to be that uh, those people. So uh, God help us to break this cycle. And may we consider our ways and respond with repentance and obedience to the word of the Lord. Thank you for listening, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.